Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Well, hey, hey, my friends, it is me, Dr. Fuck, with... Ian Wadley from New Orleans. And let me tell you, this is a special, special show. This is the Black Sabbath Volume 4 review that we did so long ago. We did this, we did this so, yeah, we did this so long ago, Ian doesn't even remember doing it. Uh, But we did, we actually did. See, we have shows that, you know, we we keep in a separate folder, which by the way, Ian, we only have one left, uh, docking. We have a docking show and everything else we've already used. Oh, and the police. Docking and the police. Oh, so, we, what, what about uh, David Lee Roth, the Vyers? We played that, didn't we? We didn't no. put that up? Oh, okay. All right, yeah. then there's, there's three that we have on retainer. But our point is is that Ian's, me and him haven't gotten together in so much time that so much has happened. You know, you have Paris, the passing of filthy animal and so many other stories that we can't fit it in half an hour because this volume four review is 90 minutes long so we figured let's do a separate show where we do everything and let's give the people two shows this week now do, do we have a guest on this show or was it just you and me just you and me wow yeah. but it's such a an amazing album yeah, Spoiler believe me, alert. believe me. I listened to a little bit of it, and boy, Ian, you were on your game. You had all these stories about the songs and stuff. You were good. Oh, wow. I mean, I haven't listened oh, okay. to it all, but I, 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 you know, I was looking, I was checking it out here and there, and you had a lot of stories behind a lot of songs. So check this episode; it's really informative. Thanks to Ian Wadley here. But hello. But Ian has he and Ian just hung out with Bill Wang in San Francisco. He's going to tell stories about that, but we're not going to do it on this episode. I figure in this episode, let's get right to it. And, you know, whatever's left, I'll put on some some music, you know, our little DJ thing to cover it up. Because there's just no way we can cover everything that's happened the last month in just 30 minutes. And I don't want to sit here and add it and rush it. Right, Ian? Right. And, you know, let's let our listeners know if you're not one of the hardcore motherfuckers and why not. Uh, you know, we're going to announce this on the Facebook page. Yeah, this, this, is a, uh, this is our Christmas present. Yeah, there you go. There you go. We're fucking, we're cheap. Yeah, for the Podbean people. But I just want to say that uh, uh, I miss you, Ian. I miss not I talking miss you to you. On, uh, we haven't spoken to each other in over a month. Because Ian's been having internet problems and AIDS. And, uh, yeah. Not, Mostly AIDS. Yeah, but not like the AIDS disease. He has like you know now he has AIDS to bring him beer and stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like it's like public aid. I was paying my internet bill with food stamps and they cut me off. Yeah, but now you got interns bringing you beer. That's how popular we've gotten. That's true. That's right. That's a true story. So anyway, uh, so tune in. And when are we going to air this show? Uh, the day before, like, because we usually air our show on Podbeam on Sundays. So are we going to yes. put up the news segment on Saturday? Yes, we are. A special Saturday present. So this is only going out to the people that are not on our Facebook page and not, you know, up to date on stuff. They just 
go on Podbeam or iTunes, whenever. But go, go on iTunes, go on Podbeam, and you will see a show prior to this one. And we're not even gonna number it, are we? We're just gonna put it up as yeah. It's yeah. not gonna be episode whatever number we are. Right. Up it's just gonna be which I forgot. Huh? Which I forgot to do with the with the last episode because I had to up I had to upload uh, the last episode, the Guns N' Roses Part Two. Uh-huh. I had to upload that from my phone and I forgot to even write in the episode number and all that shit, man. But I was fucked up, and you if you listen to the news, the special news segment, you'll find out oh. how fucked up I was. And speaking of the Guns N' Roses episode, I think we should take the time right now to speak about. The reaction of last week's show, which, by the way, if you didn't listen to Guns N' Roses, Usual Illusion 2, Part 2, honestly, personally, it's the best show we've ever done. I oh, think. my God. The, the album was so horrible, we had to make up for it by doing it, you know, we had, we had to compensate, and we more than compensated. Oh, and... And, and Ian, no. Yeah, Ian, do you we, have... No, we... Go ahead. What's that? Go ahead. Well, I, I was, was going to say, say, do we, you have... <laughs> Go, go, I'll stay quiet. It, <laughs> so. It's been so long I forgot how to do this. Uh, yeah, we will never say what got bleeped out. And you can ask and allude, and that's the beauty of it. And yeah. that's why I said do it, because that just lets your mind go to, to the darkest regions. Okay, we will never say, you can guess, oh, is this it? And I've already had people guess. And, and I'll tell you this, most of them were wrong. Most of them were yeah. wrong. And whoever's right, we're not going to admit it. Yeah, but I will say this. Most of you were wrong. But I will say this. Uh, no, no, I think Ian should say this because I brought it to Ian's attention. The most amazing little, uh, on our Facebook page, the guy that did the antidote on this uh, song, on this episode. Am I using the oh, right, yeah. right word, antidote? Or is that what, 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 what you need when you drink poison, like the antidote? <laughs> yeah, the, uh, uh, he had an antidote. Antidote, okay. You gotta read yes. this. I sent it to Ian so Ian can read it. This is like the funniest review ever. I love that this guy talked about yeah. our last episode. And if you want to hear that and some other crazy reviews, you're not gonna get it here. You're gonna have to go check out the special edition. We're gonna do it on that, on our special news segment. Uh, there's gonna be news, iTunes reviews, all kinds of happenings. My Facebook ban. Everything will get discussed on this special show. That everybody can get on Podbean and iTunes. Oh, so what you're saying, what you're saying is that thing that that guy wrote on the Facebook page. You don't want to talk about it here. You want to talk it on that other show. That's right. We're okay. We're gonna draw people. It's I, special. I, we're gonna we're gonna put it on the special. Okay, cool. So you guys gotta tune in. This is the funniest fucking comment I've ever heard, ever on Facebook in the history of Facebook. I was dying laughing, and and you know what? In case you haven't listened to Guns N' Roses, usually listen to, do yourself a favor. Listen to that before you listen to this news episode because the that it won't make sense. But when if you do listen to it after the Guns N' Roses, you will laugh your ass off. I mean, I swear I was crying laughing what this guy wrote. It was so funny. So do yourself a favor. Listen to uh, that. And, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at a notepad I did. It's full of news stories. And I know... Some of it probably you don't have. There's a concert there review. Go. Concert reviews for me. I've been to a few shows. Oh, that, oh and me too. Me and too. so we got concert reviews to talk about. So let's, what do you say we get into the Black Sabbath review? Without further to do. And we'll get into that. And then 
yeah, no, well, uh, hopefully you listen to the news segment first, then the Black Sabbath review. No, I mean, I guess you're listening to it now, so enjoy the review and then go back and listen to the to the news, right, Ian? There you go. There All you right, go. so here it is. We did this so long ago, Ian doesn't even remember it. So, uh, you know he was drunk for this one. This, Well, isn't he drunk for all of them? Yes. This, this is uh, the review to arguably my favorite Black Sabbath album. And as you know, they are my favorite band. So this, most of the time, is my favorite. Uh, I talk about this too much. So here we go. Okay, now it's time to review Volume 4 from my all-time favorite band, Black Sabbath. And uh, most of the time, you know, Black Sabbath is one of those bands I can't tell you what's my favorite Black Sabbath album because it changes all the time. But I had to say, Volume 4 is the one that's the one I, I, I feel like is the best one most of the time. But then there's times I think it's Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, Master Reality, the first one. Even, uh, you know, even Sabotage, too. You know, sometimes I feel like that's the best one. But most of the time, I would have to say, Volume 4 gets my vote as the greatest Black Sabbath album ever released <clears throat> and I feel like this album is like I don't need drugs or alcohol because this album gives me that feeling a euphoric feeling that I don't get from anything I have to like drink or smoke or inject or snort or, or put up my bottom I feel like this just gives me a stimulant that matches no it's the greatest drug i think volume four it's like volume they should call it volume four uh what an album man i've owned it since i was a little kid you know the the classic album with the pages inside and stuff which i still own my original one caused by water damage but i bought the rhino version which i recommend kids if you're going to buy it on vinyl, I know there's a couple of record companies that released it. Go for the Rhino version. That's the best version there is. Anyway, I can't wait to get into the review on this one. Even though I have already reviewed it on my YouTube channel. And I just watched it like half an hour ago. To, you know, to warm up on... You know, because when I do my YouTube reviews, I do little researches. So, you know, I, I saw some things on my YouTube reviews. Uh, sorry. That I forgot about, and uh, now we're gonna now go ahead, Ian. All right. <laughs> uh, this is probably my favorite Sabbath of all time. Uh, I sometimes teeter back and forth between this and Sabotage, but I always lean back towards this. Uh, very special Sabbath record I inherited from my father, and just. You know, just being a kid memorized, like, you know, looking through the pages and listening to this, like, beautiful, eerie, doom music. Uh, absolutely love it. It always reminds me, the summer I was 16 in 1990, I listened to this album and Danzig 2 Lucifer. Uh, it's all over the place, and it's so jazzy and just amazing and doomy. And, uh, yeah, dude, it, it, it's it's my fucking favorite. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't say by far because Sabotage is right underneath it, but there's just something about this album. Even though there's a song I can't listen to anymore on this album, uh, there's just something about this album that makes it my favorite Black Sabbath album. So uh, let's get into this motherfucker. Ralph, what do you think of the first song? 
first song. Um, what is the first song? <laughs> <laughs> Wheels of Confusion I slash that. I the that. straightener. Some albums say the straightener, some don't. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a that, that pretty much sums it up. Wow. It's um. I love the changes. I love how it starts. It's not your typical sounding song that would start an album. But to me, I don't think any song should start the album with this one. I guess because, you know, I'm just so used to it. But it starts kind of like little mellow guitar, you know, the band. And then it goes into the classic, like, look, here's another killer riff from the guy that writes the greatest riffs in the world. And then the little changes, I guess, I guess the part that they call the straightener. It's just mind blowing, man. Um, don't know if they've ever played this live. That's a good question. I wonder if they did. But um, as far as I know, I don't think so. But it's an amazing song, and God, the melody, and just all those little changes. It's it's. I'm telling you that right there. That those elements of the, that song is. To me, equates any drug on the planet. That it gets me high. I kick, I kick back and I listen to this album on headphones with no liquor, no nothing, and I, I I'm I'm fucking buzzed. And I don't think there's any album that gives me that kind of feeling than Volume Four. Volume Four is the only album that gives me like this euphoric high, and it's it's magical, man. Uh, Wheel of Confusion, the Straightener, is amazing, amazing fucking song with a lot of twists and turns. And I think this is like the first time Sabbath kind of like, um, well, this album in general, but this song is, they're taking chances because pretty much uh, the three albums before it, they had a formula, they stuck to it. You know, yeah, you had your Planet Caravans and Solitude and stuff like that. But I'm talking about as a whole, this song is like very, very um, experimental and adventurous. And it's not something that somebody probably would get on the first listen. You have to listen to it a bunch of times. And now I think it's a freaking masterpiece, man. And to think these guys were like all fucked up on drugs writing this. Just to goes to show, man. Bands that do a lot of drugs rule. What do you think, Liam? Yes, drugs rule and so does Black Sabbath on drugs. Uh, this is amazing. I, I love that. The first, like, that... It's, like, so sad and powerful at the same time. And then it goes into that great, like, that, that riff, you know? Oh, my God. And Ozzy is in such great voice here. Ozzy sounds amazing. Uh, but to me, it's all about Bill Ward and the jazz element he adds to the band. I mean, because they were a blue jazz band. And to me, this is their jazziest album. That's that's why I love it. Um, the, the change in time signatures and everything takes this album to another place. And uh, that's why it really only truly sounds like Sabbath to me. With, uh, I, mean, I mean, even I, you could take away Ozzy for me, but you gotta have Bill Ward. Because those, those drummings uh, changes everything. Uh, with Without Bill Ward's drumming, it's very, like, 
standard. Even though they do some great music without Bill Ward, it's very standard, very pedestrian. But with Bill Ward playing Bill Ward drums, it can go anywhere. And it does go all over the map. And, and that's what I love about it. Just incredible. And then when it goes into the straightener, uh, which as it was on the vinyl that I had, uh, just even more amazing. I mean, that's, that's what I think was really missing um, from 13. I mean, not just Bill Ward, but just like the adventureness in the music. Uh, it, it, look, and, it's, and, and I'm not, look, there's an album that I feel is like perfection. 100% there. I wouldn't change one little thing about it, but the adventurous drums are gone. And that is Bill Ward playing the drums on Heaven and Hell. And that album is very straightforward. I wouldn't change the drumming on it. Don't get me wrong. But something about, man, when you add Ozzy, when you get those original four, that's where Bill Ward, like, shines for real. You know? Because with Dio, with Heaven and Hell, come on, that album could have been recorded by Vivian Apiece. Vinny Apiece. There's something about the original four and the 70s that brought out that uniqueness. Not only Bill Ward, but Iomi's riffs were different. Bill Ward, I mean, these uh, was different, you know? And Ozzy is so damn important. That's why, you know, look, people out there want to love bashing Ozzy, how he's a loser and he's a... Man, Ozzy, look, there is nobody in heavy metal, nobody that comes even close to the popularity of Ozzy Osbourne. And I guess that pisses a lot of people off. But you know what? I feel he deserves all of that. Because he's a mega talent. He's just a drugged out psycho. But he's talented, man. He writes all those melodies. Oh, you know the right lyrics. He writes melody. Oh, melody don't matter. You're an idiot if you think melody don't matter. You are a complete buffoon. You're dumber than Ozzy when he was all drugged up on that Osborne show. You're dumber than him if you think melody does not matter. I remember one idiot said to me, oh yeah, Ozzy's melody, like, all he does is copy the riff. Ozzy lost his mind, can he see or is he blind? I'm like, bro, that's one song. Name me another song where he's copying the riff. That's how stupid fucking people are, man. They look for any little thing and they blow it up to like, this is how it is. No, it's not. And the straightener. The fucking wheels confused. He does not sing to the riff, you fucking moron. I hate Ozzy haters. I hate them because they are not metal. They're like anti-fucking metal. Fuck you, Ozzy haters. Seriously. I hate you more than you can ever hate Ozzy because I really don't like buffoons and fucking idiots. And no, Ozzy's not a buffoon and idiot compared to you. You want to take the next song? You know, it's all about Bill. I, I love where Bill's drums really directed the music to me on this album. Really followed it. And, but, you know, with Dio, I, I think Tony was able to go off the same way that Bill went off in the Ozzy years. It's uh, an amazing, amazing track. And uh, why don't you take the next one? What was the single off the album? Tomorrow's Dreams. Tomorrow's Dreams, uh... This was, uh, I think this was the one that opened the, the shows for, for many tours to follow. Um, <clears throat> what an amazing song. Yeah, this one, um, 
A single? No, I don't think so. To me, it sounds more like a deep track. Snowblind would have been a better single. Or, uh, uh, Supernova, you know? But, but it's still an amazing song. I love it. I'm leaving tomorrow at daybreak. And recently, even though I'm getting off track here, recently an un, undiscovered, an un, uh, circulated soundboard recording of Van Halen doing Tomorrow's Dream back in the club days has surfaced. And nice. Yeah, a lot of people don't know. I mean, a lot of people do know. Black Sabbath, Van Halen just worships that band. You know, they, they going on their first tour with them was an option that they they wanted to do, you know? They wanted to call their name, the name of the band, Rat Salad. Tony Iommi and Eddie are really good friends now. But, you know, I mean, Eddie Van Halen, considered the greatest guitarist on the planet, was very, very influenced by Tony Iommi, even though you don't hear it. But that's the greatness of Edward Van Halen. And he loved Eric Clapton. He loved Iommi and Alan Holdsworth. And none of them sound like Eddie, you know? But uh, going back to Tomorrow's Dream, yeah, I love it. I'm I'm leaving tomorrow at daybreak. I love that shit, you know? It's just so, and it's kind of like a happy tune for Sabbath. And positive. I get like a positive vibe from it, you know? Tomorrow's dream becoming reality to me. Fucking, it's, I don't know. I, I got, I'm just like thinking now about the lyrics and I'm thinking, this is one of those songs where it's like an uplifting from a doom and gloom band. You know, Black. that's why you couldn't put really Black Sabbath in a box. Because when they took chances in the 70s, nine times out of ten, it worked. It didn't work once. I mean, again, that's personal preference and per personal musical opinions. But for me, I thought that band just, they only did wrong twice. And that was on the last two albums. And it was only one song off each album that I just was like, eh. But everything else they did, man, even quirky stuff like, Am I going insane radio and and a song coming up now? I fucking absolutely worship. And I know you ain't gonna like it. Cause most people don't like it, but we'll get to that when we get to that. But Tomorrow's Dream, two thumbs up. What do you think? Uh, Tomorrow's Dream, incredible. Um, yeah, it is kind of an odd choice for a single. Uh, but I, I don't know what song on here is really a single uh, for 1972 radio. Uh but it's it's an amazing song. The fucking riff. Uh, and yeah, I noticed you said it was a happy song. There's a song in here I think is even more happy than this. But uh, I, I really love it, man. It's just... Man, the, the flow of, you know, going from uh, going from Wheels of Confusion to Straightener to this just is seamless and beautiful and just so fucking perfect i mean really a, a perfect song a great way to follow it up but then after this it takes holy shit does it take a fucking 180 turn um to a song i really used to love and and i i gotta stress used to because now i can't listen to the song anymore and i i don't know why i don't know why i i don't i can't put my finger on it but man, I cannot listen to changes anymore. Like I skip it everything. 
I, I do like the song. I just, I don't know what it is. I just can't listen to it anymore. Um, interesting thing about this song is Tony Iommi didn't know how to play piano until they went to the studio where they recorded this in L.A. And he taught himself to play piano on, on one that was in the studio. And he was just fooling around by himself and he came up with the melody. Um, Geezer Butler wrote the lyrics and Ozzy hummed a melody over it, which he's so famous for. Uh, and he was so happy to do it because he thought, you know, Geezer just came up with these beautiful, heart-wrenching lyrics that were supposedly about Bill Ward splitting up with his wife at the time. And it's a great song, but again, I don't know what it is. I just can't listen to it anymore. I'm really over it. Uh, but but once upon a time, I really love this song. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, I still do. I've always loved this song, even from the first time I heard it. It, it just grabbed me, and I, you know, first time I heard it, I wasn't even into chicks. I was only into movies and uh, and and music at the time. And but it moved me, even as a little kid. I I always found this song to be kind of like you know very melancholy, very sad and depressing. And I still feel the same way. And man, hearing it today, it it for me, it just just like this whole fucking album. It just doesn't get old. There's something magical about this. And I feel that it is well-placed. Because this album is just so unique in its way that, to me, as weird like any other album, the third song be that mellow. If you really look at the history of rock albums, usually the fourth track is the mellow one. Uh, Fade to Black, Home Sweet Home... You know, most most bands w wait till the fourth track or the last track to do. Sabbath does it right after the two the, the two tracks, and uh, again, it's kind of like a roller coaster. Like you got this tomorrow's dream that's very happy and positive, and the next thing you know, it's like this guy that's just depressed, and you know, it's a song to slit your wrist to, you know. And something about yeah, and that's wild the piano thing, and then. The little orchestra thing going on, the very sad notes it's hitting, and Ozzy's gut-wrenching vocals, and he's and it's powerful too, man. Like when he's singing that song, man, I feel it, man. I feel it because Ozzy is a mega talent. That's right, bitches. He's a mega talent, and his voice shines. I think that's the greatest part of the song. Actually, was Ozzy's delivery. It's beautiful. Uh, okay, next we go into something. It's better than it's. Be, it's. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it's better than so tired. I'll say that. <laughs> I agree, and I love so tired. I love so tired, but no, the changes is probably. I don't know. Other than tonight, I even like it more than tonight, and I feel like and, I feel like tonight's his greatest ballad. You know? And and one song that a lot of people hate on, that I actually love is "She's Gone." Uh, ecstasy. I'm one I of them. That song. I'm one of them. I hate that song. I really hate that song, and I talk about it in my really? review. Really? I, sp I speak about it in my technical ecstasy review that people on Facebook should, uh, I mean, on YouTube should check out. But if you're too lazy to, to you know, look up my my technical ecstasy, don't worry. Like, I don't know. Maybe sometime next year we'll do a technical ecstasy review, and I'll talk about it here. But I will say this: it. The thing that really bothers me about She's Gone is uh, 
it just seems so, I don't know, planned, and it's not, you know, like, changes is, the thing that, that appeals to me about changes is because it's so unorthodox, it's like, wow, this is, there's never been a song like that, and the same thing with, like, Solitude, and, and, um, what do you call, uh, Planet Caravan, but, but She's Gone sounds like a soap opera, you know, like the violins, and I really miss you, I don't even, that's the one song I always skip. That and Breakout off Never Say Die. Those two songs. See, see I, I think, like, to me, the skip song is fucking rock and roll doctor, Backstreet Kids. and No, I and love I love Backstreet Kids, but, boy, rock and roll doctor, I'll give you that one, man. I, 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 I didn't never like that one much either. But, uh, but she's gone. Oh, my God. I just wish that was, that song was gone. But... Uh, staying back on changes, yeah. Um, I love it. I love changes, and uh, goes into the next song, which is FX, uh, which is not even a song. It's just some kind of weird, you know. It's made to like you know get fucked up and listen to the headphones, and you know, and just you know take a take a hit of ass and listen to FX and cruise the cosmos, man. But uh, I'm not, like, the biggest fan of FX, but I can deal with it because it's not really technically a song. It's just noise. And it's like, hey, it's four British guys in California all fucked up on drugs. And it's like, hey, what do you think? I think it's great. And Ozzy's like, I can make a melody out of it. No, it's okay, Ozzy. And uh, Bill's like, Bill ran home to see how he could play the drums on it. And he never came back. And they just released it as it is. Which is just... I, to me, it sounds like like Tony just like with his pick hitting the guitar. and Or ba- or Geezer with the bass. Just making little funny effects with the guitar. And like just tapping it here and there. With little echo effects. And it just makes no sense to me. What do you think of FX? Uh, I still do. I've always loved this song, even from the first time I heard it. It, it just grabbed me, and I, you know, the first time I heard it, I wasn't even into chicks. I was only into movies and uh, and and music at the time. And but it moved me, even as a little kid. I I always found this song to be kind of like you know very melancholy, very sad and depressing. And I still feel the same way. And man, hearing it today. It, it for me it's just just like this whole fucking album it just doesn't get old there's something magical about this and I feel that it is well placed because this album is just so unique in its way that to me as weird like any other album the third song be that mellow if you really look at the history of rock albums usually the fourth track is the mellow one uh, fade to black, home sweet home. You know, most most bands w- wait till the fourth track or the last track to do. Sabbath does it right after the two the, the two tracks. And uh, again, it's kind of like a roller coaster. Like you got this tomorrow's dream that's very happy and positive, 
And the next thing you know, it's like this guy that's just depressed and, you know, it's a song to slit your wrist to, you know? And something about, yeah, that's wild, the piano thing, and then the little orchestra thing going on, the very sad notes it's hitting, and Ozzy's gut-wrenching vocals, and he's and it's powerful too, man. Like, when he's singing that song, man, I feel it, man. I feel it because Ozzy is a mega talent. That's right, bitches. He's a mega talent. And his voice shines. I think that's the greatest part of the song, actually, was Ozzy's delivery. It's beautiful. Uh, okay, next we go into something. Better than, it's better. It's go ahead. I was just gonna say it's better than "So Tired." I'll say that. <laughs> I agree, and I love "So Tired." I love "So Tired," but no, the changes is probably. I don't know. Other than tonight, I even like it more than tonight, and I feel like and, tonight, I feel like tonight's his greatest ballad. You know? And and one song that a lot of people hate on that I actually love is "She's Gone." Uh, Alexis. I'm one I of love them. Love that song. I'm one of them. I hate that song. I really hate that song, and I talk about it in my really? review. Really? I sp- I speak about it in my technical XC review that people on Facebook should, uh, I mean, on YouTube should check out. But if you're too lazy to to you know look up my my technical XC, don't worry. Like I don't know, maybe sometime next year we'll do a technical XC review, and I'll talk about it here. But I will say this: it the thing that really bothers me about "She's Gone" is uh, it just seems so I don't know planned, and it's not you know like changes is the thing that that appeals to me about changes is because it's so unorthodox. It's like wow, this is there's never been a song like that. And the same thing with like "Solitude" and and um, what do you call uh, "Planet Caravan," but. But She's Gone sounds like a soap opera. You know, like the violins and I really miss you. I don't even... That's the one song I always skip. That and Breakout off Never Say Die. Those two songs. See, see I, I think like to me the skip song is fucking rock and roll doctor Backstreet Kids. And, no, I and love I love Backstreet Kids, but boy, rock and roll doctor, I'll give you that one, man. I, 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 I didn't never like that one much either. But uh, but she's gone. Oh my God! I just wish that was that song was gone. But uh, staying back on changes, yeah. Um, I love it. I love changes and uh, goes into the next song, which is FX, uh, which is not even a song. It's just some kind of weird, you know. It's made to like you know get fucked up and listen to the headphones and you know. And just, you know, take a take a hit of ass and listen to FX and cruise the cosmos, man. But uh, I'm not, like, the biggest fan of FX, but I can deal with it because it's not really technically a song. It's just noise. And it's like, hey, it's four British guys in California all fucked up on drugs. And it's like, hey, what do you think? I think it's great. And Ozzy's like, I can make a melody out of it. No, it's okay, Ozzy. And uh, Bill's like, Bill ran home to see how he could play the drums on it. And he never came back. And they just released it as it is, which is just, I, to me, it sounds like, like Tony just, like, with his pick hitting the guitar and or, ba- or Geezer with the bass, just making little funny effects with the guitar and, like, just tapping it here and there. 
with little echo effects. It just makes no sense to me. What do you think of FX? Well, I, I used to like it a lot more than I do now. Now it's definitely a skip. It's, it's funny. When I was listening to this album, uh, you know, getting ready for the review, I realized on my phone I deleted changes in FX. But I went back and listened to it, did a little bit of history on it. Excuse me. And what it was, was initially he was playing guitar in the studio and he's leaning over playing guitar. And his cross, he always wears you know, the cross. It hit the strings and it made this weird sound. And they were way fucked up on drugs when they did it. And they're like, whoa, that sounded good, man. You know, and... And maybe because when I really listen to this all the time, I was doing a lot of drugs, a lot of hallucinogenics, a lot of weed. Uh, so I didn't mind it as much. But now it just sounds like garbage to me. But, uh, I mean, that just shows you how fucked up. And, you know, they, they all talk about this album when they record it. It was like, okay, here's this, you know, this is where the drugs really took over. But, uh, fuck, I think they, they made a pretty good run of the next albums where drugs took over but uh this is a song in hindsight if you're not on drugs you're like what the fuck you know this is kind of like uh you know it's like it's like the joke about the grateful dead fan you know when he ran out of drugs it's like oh this music sucks and that's kind of how fx is uh if you're not on drugs it's really not going to do anything all right and then we go into supernaut which is my favorite black sabbath song of all time uh, holy shit, that riff. Bill Ward starts in with those drums that sounds like, you know, the, you know, Shaft song. Uh, just amazing. The greatest riff of all time, in my opinion. Uh, Frank Zappa's favorite Black Sabbath song. Great story about they met Frank Zappa at a hotel, and they were so intimidated because they're like, oh, my God, you know, he's like this musical genius, and, you know, we're just... You know, these blokes from fucking Birmingham. And Frank Zappa could not stop singing the praises of this song in Tony Iommi's riff. And that's because it is the greatest riff of all time. Uh, amazing. I have no idea what the fuck a supernaut is, and I could give a fuck less. I don't know. I have no idea what the song is about, but I fucking love it. It is the best Black Sabbath song of all time, in my opinion. Never, ever get tired of it. Um, I've never saw Black Sabbath play this. I did see an amazing version with Anthrax playing this on the Sound of White Noise tour, and Al Jurgensen from Ministry came out playing guitar with him, and that was amazing, but goddamn, I wish, uh, you know, Black Sabbath would have done this on the reunion, but th they play a very vanilla set list, and uh, that's unfortunate because... This is one of the greatest they've ever done. Uh, this song always tickles my fucking funny bone. One of the best of all time, if not the best. I love Supernatural. What do you got, Ralph? I have to agree with you. Best song? No, but it's up there. Uh, but, oh my God. And, you know, something you left out is like the amazing bass playing. That doom, 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 doom. That crazy thing that Jesus doing during that unbelievably godly riff it just melts together and of course Ozzy with I wanna reach out and touch this guy uh, that I, I did mention in my YouTube review and now I'm having a brain fart of what that song means because 
there is a meaning behind that song. And what I recall, it was like coming like, uh, like reaching the stars, uh, you know, like riding the cosmos, something like that. I, I can't remember. But uh, there is a meaning behind that song. And yes, it is interesting how Frank Zappa, yeah, it's a well-known fact, Frank Zappa loved that song. And that was, um, I think that was part of the reason they met was because of that. Frank Zappa wanted to meet these guys. And because uh, he loved Supernal so much. And you were mentioning how you saw Anthrax play with Al Jurgensen. I saw Ministry play it um, in Lollapalooza. The Lollapalooza show that had the shitty peppers and uh, and Pearl Jam and all that crap. But um, they came out and uh, did uh, did that song, did um, Supernal. And I was, and I've never, you know, I was like so oblivious to Ministry. I didn't know shit about them. And that was the first time I ever heard a note from that band. And I, and I ran out and bought a Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste because I really love that song, Thieves. But they did record it uh, on uh, Nativity and Black. I think that they, they went under the name 100,000 Homo Disc Jockeys or something. Yeah, yeah, DJs. Yeah, with Trent Reznor. Yeah, that is a side project. But yes. Ministry was playing it live because I saw it. And that, you know, that was one of the things that grabbed me. I'm watching Ministry at this show, and they were, like, really good. I was very impressed. They had all these bones on stage and stuff. And then they went into, you know, I'm like, man, this is, like, really fucking awesome music, but it's different. I never heard, like, industrial yet, you know? And then they went into Supernaut, and I go, oh, these guys are gods. They're doing Supernaut. I mean, how cool is this, you know? They sold me right there. But, um... Going back to the song, yeah, every element of that song is just so killer. Everybody's on point to think these guys are fucked up on drugs. And recording and performing something that amazingly perfect, you know, if there was one little iota note off that shit, it, it wouldn't be as killer as it is. Supernaut is fucking perfection. And yeah... Uh, not my favorite song, but probably my favorite song off this album, yeah. Or tied with the next one. Uh, which, again, man, holy shit. Snowblind. Oh, I remember one thing I said in the review. Supernault was also a term from being very high on cocaine. That's what they, nice. that's what they would say, Supernault. Like the word Supernault meant being very high on cocaine. I don't know if that was something they came up with or if it was something that they got from somewhere else and speaking of cocaine the next song which they wanted to call the album Snowblind but the record company refused because of the drug app reference but it would have been awesome I think that's a great name for a, an album Snowblind nothing wrong with volume 4 though but um oh man probably the greatest line ever in any Black Sabbath song is that part where he goes my eyes are blind, but I can see just uh, the the way that the, the song slows down into that part. And then it goes into solo. It's just, again, man, another part where it's like, it's the equivalent of good crack. That's how I see it. Like, you know, you're smoking crack, and it's really good crack. But then when you smoke that crack during Snowblind, it's like, wow, man, this is a potent crack. There's not a lot of baking soda in this crack. That's how I see fucking Snowblind. What an amazing song, and still a highlight, and 
you know, and then you know, you know, in the original version when they recorded it in the studio, Ozzy would scream cocaine during it, and the you know the execs came by and go, no, you can't do that, dude. So Ozzy would whisper it, like you can hear a whisper. But when they did it live, he did scream cocaine. But you know, it's just an amazing fucking song. Uh, Snowblind, killer man. What do you think? Oh, hell yeah. About my third favorite drug of all time, cocaine. What's your, uh, what's fucking, your, what's your top two? Uh, I would say my, my number one would be uh, pure LSD. Uh, my number two would be mushrooms. Uh, and number three is cocaine. All right, cool. And what's number four, alcohol? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um... But, uh, oh my God, do I love this song. I mean, what a song to like do like a, like a big rail. And unfortunately, like, like a Coke habit never ends good. <laughs> you know, just because it's my favorite doesn't mean it's good for you. Uh, you know, but it never ends good. But man, there's nothing like that first fucking line. Oh, that you spend the rest of the night tra- chasing and you'll never catch. That's the bitch. Uh, but man, this song sums it all up. The beauty of that first fucking line. Oh my God. Your fucking heart pounding, your brain racing. And just like, yeah, your dick shriveling, in my case. Some people say they, they, they get cooked up, they can fuck all night. Uh, my dick hides, you know, like a fucking turtle. I punch myself in the gut to take a piss so it pokes out a little bit. But, uh, God damn, do I love that first line of fucking cocaine. Oh, my God. An amazing, amazing song about an amazing drug that starts out good but always ends bad. (laughs) Uh, I love it. I love cocaine. I love this song. What a fucking riff. Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, I wish they could have called the album Snowblind. I agree with you there. Uh, but they did think the great Coca-Cola uh, uh, industry of L.A. or some shit like that, uh, Coca-Cola Company of Los Angeles, because they had amazing amounts of cocaine while they were doing this album. In fact, uh, they out out they were recording this. They took a break, and they went and saw The French Connection. A uh, great movie with Roy Scheider, uh, directed by the great William Freakin'. And uh, they were so scared after that movie they were going to get busted. Ozzy said he was about, he was like hyperventilating by the end of the movie. Like, oh my God, we got to go back to the studio and get rid of all that cocaine by snorting it. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, uh, Tony Iommi said you know, the whole time they did this, it was like Scarface. They just had this huge mound of cocaine. Actually, they had uh, fake speakers shipped to the studio that were filled with cocaine. I mean, if you think about old 70s speakers, they were very large boxes. And these very large boxes were filled with cocaine. Well, before we go into the next one, I want to stress, you know, because we do have, like, younger viewers that haven't really experienced drugs or anything like that. And, you know, take it from Ian. Cocaine's really good, kids. It always ends in a bad way, but fuck it. You know, by doing it, it's worth all the bullshit you go through later, right, Ian? Like the withdrawals and all that shit. I mean, you may die, but if you die, at least you did get to experience the greatness of cocaine. Am I right? 
And you never know. You could end up on what, the number one podcast in the country. That's right. And, another, so- <laughs> and, an, and, and another thing, if you get a girl addicted to cocaine and you have the money to buy cocaine, you're, I'm talking about free pussy constantly. Because girls that get hooked on cocaine, they're pretty fucking easy to bang. Yes. And I mean, I mean they, get, they get so desperate, you can even pee on them. Yes, especially if they're French. If they're French? I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. French girls love to get... True story. French girls what? French girls love to get peed on. That's a fact. Yeah. I like to get peed on when I get bit by a jellyfish. (laughs) My nickname's Jellyfish. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... uh... The next song is a St. Vitus dance, right? No, Laguna Sunrise. No, Laguna Sunrise. No, no. What is it? Cornucopia. Cornucopia. Oh my God, I gotta forget that one. And like probably my. Uh, you must be on. You must be on cocaine. I'm on cornucopias. Uh, cornucopia. Wow. You want to talk about like an amazing fucking Black Sabbath song? Look no further than this motherfucker. It starts so doomy and crazy. This was like a this was like a mainstay on the on the set list in the seventies, and and rightfully so. Um, a song that starts so doomy and then gets kind of like chaotic afterwards. And uh, the famous story about this song was Bill Ward like had the hardest time coming up with some kind of drums for this and it took him forever and then finally when he did it and he actually fucking I mean his drumming on it is so fucking great and so unorthodox and again what's missing in 13 I could go on and on I mean I've had arguments online with people telling me how oh but Bill can't drum anymore and blah 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 so that well dude if he can't drum anymore then why do you have to be so pedestrian without him you know, I'm not saying, hey, uh, Black Sabbath can't do no adventurous drums because Bill Ward ain't there. But, geez, what's their excuse then? Because there is no adventurous drums without Bill Ward. Is there? On any Black Sabbath no. after after uh, Never Say Die? I gotta say, there are some adventurous drum work on Born Again. Uh, who, who played drum on some of that album again? I forgot. Bill Ward. That's right, Bill Ward. All right, so, um, but yeah, Cornucopia. What a great fucking song. Um, now I'm trying to think, was Cornucopia the song that meant, like, cocaine? No, I can't remember. Uh, if, or if it was Supernal. One of those two. I think it was Supernal. Anyway, Cornucopia is probably my second favorite track off. It, like, probably tied for my second favorite track, along with Snowblind. Uh, oh, man, it's... Cornucopia is the equivalent of Godzilla stomping on Tokyo. What do you think? Uh, they should have called it Coca-Corpia. Because <laughs> it's awesome. It's even better with cocaine. Uh, <laughs> every, everything is better with cocaine, kids. <laughs> Except sex. Uh, uh, oh my god. I, I love it. I love the doom beginning to this. Oh my god. So influential on bands like St. Vitus 
uh, or Trouble or any Doom band. Uh, just amazing. A riff from fucking hell. And then what I love is after that, it goes into a swing, which is awesome. And Beast Drumming by Bill Ward. And yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the drama with him where he just they felt he couldn't get it, he felt he couldn't get it. And Tony Iommi apparently was like a real dick to him, just like, well, why don't you just go home? You know, uh, you're not doing anything. And But then when he finally got it, dude, he fucking nailed it. I mean, could you imagine this song without fucking Bill Ward's drumming? Uh, yeah, I, I can imagine. It'll sound like something off 13. Yeah, uh, there you go. Uh, you know, it's just, god damn, Cornucopia. Another one of the best, like, deep tracks, like, just like, if you don't know Cornucopia, you don't know fucking Black Sabbath. This song is just fucking absolutely amazing. Uh, so influential on the metal scene. So many songs and bands copied this shit and, and did it to varying degrees. Some did it great, some did it really shitty. But it's quintessential Sabbath. I fucking love it. And then we go on to Laguna Sunrise, which is my favorite Tony Iommi instrumental by far. Uh, just so beautiful. Uh, supposedly was written while he was at Laguna Beach with the sunrise coming up and coked out of his mind and had a guitar and wrote this little ditty. It's fucking amazing. I love this track. I think it's the longest instrumental track he ever did you know a lot of people like fluff and you know you know orchard all this other shit that he did but to me this is by far the favorite and this is exactly the kind of thing that was missing from 13 you know there should have been something like this and there wasn't this this is the best it it, it so enhances this album and adds something so special to it i absolutely love this fucking track his best by far. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, the thing that was missing in 13 was uh, Bill Ward. Not not an instrumental because to me, if they would have done an instrumental on 13, it would have came off like, what? what's the name of that stupid song that's supposed to be Planet Caravan Part 2? Zest, whatever, Zoots, whatever. All right, so uh, my opinion on Laguna Sunrise, it's much better on cocaine. Just kidding. Um, I agree with Ian. To me, it's like the greatest instrumental that Tony's ever done. I, I think it's beautiful. What an amazing song. I, you know what I really dig? I dig how they put it on We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll. You know, you could have easily put on Electric Funeral or something, but they threw that on there. And I thought that was a good move to put that on a greatest hits. Because to me, that that should be a greatest hit. And again, a beautiful, beautiful song. With fucking Iomi, you know, I uh, with in, in the middle of a Black Sabbath album, an amazing Black Sabbath. That's why I see another reason why. All right, so uh, my opinion on Laguna Sunrise, it's much better on Cocaine. Just kidding. Um, I agree with Ian. To me, it's like the greatest instrumental that Tony's ever done. I I think it's beautiful. What an amazing song. You know what I really dig? I dig how they put it on We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll. You know, you could have easily put on Electric Funeral or something, but they threw that on there. And I thought that was a good move to put that on a greatest hits. Because to me, that that should be a greatest hit. And again, a beautiful, beautiful song. 
with fucking Iomi, you know, I uh, with in, in the middle of a Black Sabbath album. An amazing Black Sabbath. That's why I see another reason why this is my favorite Black Sabbath album. Fuck it. I'm, I'm saying it right now. From now on, Volume 4 is my favorite. And if I feel Master Reality or anything else is better, I'm just going to do cocaine and forget about it. Go back to Volume 4. Yeah! That's the best Black Sabbath album. We are reviewing the best Black Sabbath album, in my opinion. Because I know there there's, people, there's people out there that go, ah, it's not the best. Hey, fuck you. It is the best. To me, not to you. So, and here's another glowing example. This beautiful. And so I love Fluff, too, by the way. But this one's even better than Fluff. I think it's just beautiful, man. And it really does capture the mood of, like, a, 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 lagu- like a, a sunrise at Laguna Beach. It really does capture it. The, the, musically, that's how I feel when I listen to the song. It's like, yeah, I can kind of dig that, you know, Sunrise Laguna with this song. It's beautiful. Um, and I've had sex to this album a million times. And let me tell you, during uh, Laguna Sunrise, is probably the best part of the sexual experience listening to Volume 4 during that section. Because then it goes into St. Vitus Dance, which is an amazing song, too. Um, it's a weird subject matter, though. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's, the lyrics are, uh, it's like Ozzy or, well, Geezer, who wrote the lyrics, telling some guy, hey, man, you fucked up with your girlfriend. You really fucked up with her, and she still loves you, so you should go back with her and make it work this time. That's what this song's about, lyrically. And it's almost like Black Sabbath doing, like, Dear Abby, you know? Uh, and St. Vitus Dance fucking rocks, dude. It's a rocking tune. Doomy. Killer. Love it. Deep track. But a great track. What do you think of St. Vitus Dance? Uh, it, it's a weird song. A weird happy romance song. Uh, that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, but at the same time, it sounds like it totally works, you know? Sounds like it should be here. Um... Uh, you know, uh, Bob Daisley did amazing... Oh, I'm sorry. Geezer Butler did an amazing job on this one. Uh, but yeah, it is It is kind of weird. Uh, like, wow, where, well, where did this come from in the rest of these coke-laden songs? But uh, still, sometimes weird as it is, it doesn't sound out of place because the whole album is all over the map. Uh, I, I love it, you know, would never skip it, man. And, uh, Ralph, why don't you take the last song? Under the Sun. Uh, oh, this one's awesome, too. And let me tell you something. I was totally against supporting Black Sabbath on the 13th tour. No intention to go. And, uh, I did. I ended up going, and I'll tell you why. Two reasons. It was free. What? That was one of the reasons. And not only a free ticket, but actually I had a free ticket to the greatest seat in the whole house. It was dead center, front row, like right against the barricade, smack in front of Ozzy. Um, I did a review on it, and I have and I have actual video footage of where I was. And there's also me like taking pictures, 
kind of like photo bombing Black Sabbath because I, I had people take pictures of me with Black Sabbath behind me and I'm wearing a Bill Ward shirt. So it was like my way of uh, photo bombing Black Sabbath. But uh, another thing that enticed me to go to the show was they were playing Under the Sun. And I was like, when the fuck am I ever going to get to see Ozzy, Tony and Geezer, you know, ever do this song? You know, because, you know, to me that was, that was the main reason I wanted to be there for free, front row. And uh, it is such a killer song. And the message of this song is actually, it's actually my philosophy in life. You know, the, the lyrics pretty much say, hey, man, you believe what you want, but don't throw that shit on me. And I'm not talking about, you know, it's so fucking popular to blame Christianity or Catholics, like, oh, Jesus, or this, or, you know, it's so popular to bash them. No, but in this song, it's, it's right across the map, every type of religion. And I feel... And I know I'm going to get shit for this, but I stand alone. I don't give a fuck. But I feel like there's no difference between a fucking preacher telling me I'm going to burn in hell if I don't, you know, accept Christ in my life. It's no different than a fucking Satanist burning down churches, talking about how horrible Christianity is. It's the same shit. You're trying to shove down my throat your fucking belief. And I see no difference in Satanism and and Christianity when, or Catholic or whatever the fuck. And that's what this song is saying. This song is pretty much saying you do what you want. You can worship Satan, God, whoever. That's cool, dude, for you to do it. But don't tell me what I have to do. Don't throw me your fucking philosophy. I'll think for myself. And that's the beautiful thing about that song. I love that song. And the music is fucking awesome, too. Uh, Under the Sun. And great way to end the album, too. I love the way the song ends, too. It's a, it, it brings such a great closure to, like, the perfect Black Sabbath album. And when I say the perfect, you can, you know, a lot of people would think, no, man, the perfect Black Sabbath album is Heaven and Hell because it's just so perfect. But it's perfect. Heaven and Hell is perfect in a perfect way. I know I'm, I know I'm talking weird here, but you got to remember I love cocaine. Yeah! I'm kidding, I don't. But, you know, this is a, this is an album that's very based on cocaine, so I'm running with it. And, hey, I'm not saying I never did it. So, look, it, I know we've been goofing around and shit, but, you know, I mean, in case anybody thinks we're serious, well, I'm speaking for me, not for Ian. No, thank you. Don't do cocaine. It's not, it's not a wise thing. It, it does feel really good, but it will destroy your life if it gets a hold of you. And I know a couple people in my life that are just destroyed by cocaine. They can't live without it. And believe Hey, me, bro! If it was cheaper, it'd be, I guess, okay. I mean, but no. Hey, look, cocaine killed Kevin DeBro. And Kevin DeBro was the picture of health. And he didn't want to die. Glenn Hughes said it perfectly. Glenn Hughes said, Kevin DeBro. The last thing that guy would have wanted was to die. That guy loved life. And he died because statistically, well, medically, I don't know if you know this, I, I learned this on that Quiet Ride documentary. Once you pass the age of 50, it's very dangerous doing cocaine. It could kill you. And look at Kevin DeBro, what shape that guy was in. 
That guy was in perfect shape, and it did him in. So anybody out there uh, over 50 doing blow, come on, bro. Stop. We need we need more iTunes comments. Stop being a maniac. And that is my review of Volume 4, but Ian has to close out his review. That's how it works over here. So go ahead, Cokehead. Tell us what you think. All right. Well, personally, I think Thunderbird killed fucking Kevin DeBro. It just took a little time to catch up to him. Yeah, it took decades. Yeah, that song's fucking horrible. Yeah, yeah cocaine has killed a lot of people, but you know what? So is life. You know, life is a killer. But uh, you know what's even more of a killer than life? Is fucking religion. And that's why I love this song. Because you know what? Fuck Christianity. Uh, fuck, you know, Muslim. Fuck Scientology. How about, how about Satanism? Oh, yeah. Well, well here, here's the thing about Satanism. Okay? You have to believe in Christianity to believe in Satanism. I don't believe in any of that shit. I think he's a better written character. But I don't believe in it. I mean, I, I think it's all like... To me, anybody that believes in any of that, any religion, it's like a grown man walking around says he believes in Santa or the Easter Bunny. You would think he's a fucking nut. But for some reason... If people believe in Jesus Christ or Muhammad or, or fucking, you know, Scientology, uh, you know, it, it's just their religion. But to me, it's all equally crazy. It, it, it's, it's, it's mass accepted insanity. I mean, really, it's, it's like, I, I, I don't get it. I feel sorry, like literally, like I feel sorry, like, ooh, like when you see a retarded kid, you know, driving a motorcycle, like, ooh, that's dangerous. You know, that's how I see people who believe in any kind of God. You know, like if somebody said, ooh, I believe in Zeus, you'd look at them like they're fucking nuts. But why is Christianity or fucking Islam or any other thing any different? I mean, it's uh, fucking grow up. Read a fucking science book. It's, it's so it's so disturbing. It's very disturbing. It's created nothing but pain, misery, and wars. You know, Jesus Christ has killed more people than any fucking gun. And I don't like guns. You know, I'm just saying. But anyway, the song we're talking about the song itself. I love the song, and I love the sentiment. It's so fucking heavy. It's so fucking... That doomy-ass beginning is so amazing. But then it's got that swing to it that is so adventurous, like 70 Sabbath with the classic lineup, you know, with Ozzy on vocals, with fucking Bill Ward, the god of drums, you know, that, that that jazz element, that to me, it'll never sound like Black Sabbath without those jazzy ass all over the place drums. And yes, I'm very hard on Ozzy, but his voice and that melody in the 70s, the greatest, the greatest. Then you got the riff master, fucking Tony Iommi, you got the brilliant lyrics and bass of Geezer Butler. Oh my God, just the 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 fucking best. I love Black Sabbath. Everything else pales in comparison. Yes, even my beloved Van Halen, my favorite band of all time. I still really got to give the nod to Black Sabbath, man. It's all about Black Sabbath. And this song is great. I love the fucking lyrics. What a way to end a fucking album. What, what an album closer. And this is, what well, I've said a million times, 
The best album closer is the one that leaves you wanting more. Either you restart this fucking album, or you put out another album by the same artist. And this song doesn't. Because when this shit's over, you're not done. You, you don't have enough in your fucking veins. This isn't a big enough line of coke. You need more after this fucking song. And I fucking love it. Oh my God. What an amazing album. My favorite Black Sabbath album of all time. And Ralph, you said it's yours and I'm going to fucking hold you to it. Yeah, yeah. Next, so time, next time I say, uh, you know, next time I say that, oh, you know, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath is my favorite or Master or Black Sabbath 1 or Sabbath 2, which I tend to do at times. Uh, you have, uh, I, I will say this now, and you can point people to this episode, because I will not edit this part out. When Ian calls me out on that and say, no, what? <laughs> volume 4 is your favorite, and let me tell you something. You even said it on the Volume 4 episode. If you ever change your favorite, I am admitting right now, on this episode, if I feel like some other song, other album is better than Volume 4 in the Black Sabbath catalog. I am a fucking moron and I deserve to be on a freaking podcast talking about freaking frickings. <laughs> now here's another thing I want to say that you brought up the mighty Van Halen. Yes, Black Sabbath is my favorite band of all time. But I will say this about Van Halen. Van Halen will blow the fucking doors off of Black Sabbath in a live situation. Yeah. Well, but yeah. I still think musically, as perfect and great as Van Halen is, they're right there, neck, almost neck and neck with Sabbath. But man, when you hear something like Volume 4, man, it's like, fuck that shit. I, well, see, I, I, th I think Volume 4 is like their fair warning. You know what I mean? I Both of these albums are so weird and perfect. Very well put. And both are their fourth album. Yes. And and both are very misunderstood and sometimes overlooked. Yeah, man. And uh, uh, one thing that we did not bring up. Now, I brought this up in my review because I read it in a book. The best Black Sabbath book ever. It's a, it's a book called Doom Let Loose. Oh, yes, I love that book. That, Mark Popoff. Yeah, there's no better book with Black Sabbath than that book. And in that book, it says, that album cover with Ozzy doing the peace sign pissed Tony Iommi off so much that he made Ozzy stand on the side of the stage and Tony stood in the middle of the stage. Now, I've gotten, like, well, not, I, I don't want to use the word attack. But I, there, there has been people that left comments on my volume four saying, that's not true, man. It's just, Ozzy was always a little to the right, a li you know, on the stage, which is kind of true. But but I, I, in the early days, Iommi wasn't dead center. And it's just coincidental that after volume four, Tony was uh, dead center at, at pretty much all the shows. Look at uh, Don Kirshner's rock concert. That was sabotage. Tour. If you look at the pictures of the Volume Four tour, uh, uh, Tony's uh, dead center. So, it, I think it's true that uh, uh, Tony just didn't like the fact that Ozzy got the album cover, 
And it is such an iconic album cover. You know, it's very simple. I've seen the original picture, by the way, and that's another thing that probably pissed Tony off because the original picture of that was Ozzy and Tony in the picture. But they took Tony out and it just, you know, they, they colored Ozzy yellow and put effects to it. But um, what an iconic album cover. What an iconic album. And it is very well received by Black Sabbath fanatics like myself. Uh, most people do point at that one. Like, if you go to that Black Sabbath message board on blacksabbath.com, man, I bet oh, you... Oh, that's where I met you. Yeah, that's where you sent me a message <laughs> and I never saw it. Which, by the way... I know you... Which, dick. By, <laughs> which, by the way, I did see it. I, for, I kept... Oh, yeah? I kept forgetting to mention this because I went back there to look for it and I found it. <laughs> Oh, they're like, hey, what's up, man? I still didn't reply. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you dick. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, if you was to make a poll over there, I guarantee you, Volume 4 would fucking win. With Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, a close second, which I feel like Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath is like, uh, it's like a, the, the greatest follow-up ever. You know? Better than Volume See, 4. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I would almost take Sabotage over Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Not me, but sometimes I do. But sometimes I do. Sometimes I feel like Sabotage is the greatest Black Sabbath album. I do feel that at times. It, it brings my second favorite Black Sabbath song ever, Megalomania. Boy, do yeah. I love that song. But, but then the weird... Weirdest thing is, though, the album that both of us listen to the most is Never Say Die. Ain't that odd? You know, some it idiot, is? some idiot told me off about that. Like, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Some I, I forgot, dude. What kind of moron listens to some album that's not his favorite from a band more than his favorite? And I'm like, uh, well, I don't know about what type of moron you're talking about. Because, you know, I, I may be a moron to your eyes, but Jesus Christ, your parents must be the biggest morons to fucking raise a retard like you with that kind of philosophy. So, you know, and obviously this guy didn't like Never Say Die, so. Um, but, uh, but, well, like, like, the funny thing is, though, is, like, uh, the thing I love about Never Say Die is the same thing I love about Volume 4, is that it's so all over the place and there's so much different stuff yet there's a unity and i remember seeing uh white zombie at the riviera in chicago and this was right when uh, they were getting ready to put out their version of children of the grave on uh nativity in black one and he's like oh what's your favorite uh sabbath album is it technical ecstasy you know is it never say die no it's the early shit and i was like I'm sitting there booing because I was like, I love those fucking albums. And a lot of people won't acknowledge, like Dave Chandler, the guitar player from St. Vitus. Good friend of mine, dude. And he refuses to acknowledge those two albums. And, and he definitely doesn't like the fucking Dio era or anything after. But I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're missing some good shit on those fucking albums. He's like, yeah, but to me it's all about, you know, the first six and I'm like, well, I mean, I hear you, but there's still some quality fucking music on those albums. Even though Technical is by far my least favorite of the original, I still love it, you know? And Never Say Die, dude. I love me some Never Say Die. God, I can't get enough of that album. And I think, I think part of the appeal of Never Say Die for me 
is see when I was a kid I my brother had paranoid that's that was my first uh, introduction then I I bought uh, we sold our souls for rock and roll but uh, this was like that you know that was technically my very first Black Sabbath album was we sold our soul which was a, a compilation but the thing is I bought that album after Technical Ecstasy came out, so it wasn't a new album. So um, then, the first Black Sabbath album I bought that was new was Never Say Die. So I think that's why that album is so special to me, because the albums I had before, I didn't own Sabbath Bloody Sabbath or the I didn't own any Sabbath except for uh, We Sold Our Souls and you know my brother's copy of Paranoid, which technically wasn't mine. But Never Say Die was mine. And it was my Black Sabbath, the first part on my body. I admit, I will admit, I didn't like Side 2 much. I love Side 1. Johnny Blaine, uh, <laughs> Junior's Eyes. I, I love those songs. But man, now it's like, to me, the standout track on there is fucking Junior's Eyes and Air Dance. Yeah, yeah. see, Junior, Junior's Eyes, I'd put up against almost any Black Sabbath song. So, I, I think it's that fucking good. It's so good. And... Another reason why you jackasses should fucking go on YouTube and type in Black Sabbath Jr.'s Eyes Dave Walker's version and realize how talented Ozzy is because Dave, see, a lot of people may not know this, Ozzy left Black Sabbath. He didn't. After, he, he yeah, didn't, after technical. Yeah, after technically, technical, he left the band. He didn't get fired. He quit Black Sabbath. And he formed Blizzard of Oz back then. There's even a picture of Blizzard of Oz. B B this was like before the real Blizzard of Oz. It didn't work out. But while he was out of the band, they got a guy called Dave Walker. Now, the interesting thing about Dave Walker being in the band was they actually were on a TV show with Dave Walker. And they performed Junior's Eyes, which you can't find that anywhere. But on YouTube, there's the audio of that. And boy, listen to that. It's fucking horrible. Oh, it's yeah. the same music, but the melody, the vocals, sucks. They brought it to Ozzy. Ozzy came back. Ozzy said, I ain't fucking, I'm changing that shit around. And yeah. Ozzy's died. But, well, Ozzy's it was... What? No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, they they changed it to reflect on the passing of Ozzy's yeah, father. No, but that was because of Ozzy. Because the thing is, yeah. Ozzy said, I refuse to sing this song. So Ozzy changed it around for his dad, who just passed away. And the melody, the vocal performance, it just goes to show, man, how important Ozzy Osbourne was to 70s Black Sabbath. Now, I will admit, after Never Say Die, you know, I don't think Ozzy could have gone any further with Sabbath. I think Ozzy needed Randy Rose, needed a change in order to make great music. Because I, I have a feeling if Ozzy would have stayed, you know, can you imagine children to see some Ozzy? It just wouldn't have worked. You know, yeah. I don't think it would have worked. I, I still would have liked to heard it, but uh, it, but there, one thing there is supposedly a version. Geezer Butler yeah. said there's a I, version I, of Children of the Sea sung by Ozzy, but it wasn't called Children of the Sea. I've never heard it, but what we did hear though is when when he did leave after Technical, uh, the band wasn't called Blizzard of Oz. It was called the Diddleys of Daisley. Oh, come on. Because Bob Daisley was the star of the band. Bob Daisley wasn't in that version of 
was the Rock. There's a. Have you seen the picture? I haven't. There's actually a picture of Blizzard of Oz, like, like 1977 version. And That's probably Photoshop, because no, Bob Davis was there. No, it wasn't Bob Davis. And then soon, at, then when Ozzy came back into the band, there was a photo shoot where Ozzy's wearing a Blizzard of Oz shirt. It's pretty big. Uh, you see that picture a lot. Of, have you seen it? See what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so yeah, they, they took many pictures and Ozzy's wearing that Blizzard of Oz shirt. During, that was Never Say Die photo shoot. But anyway, so um, anything else you want to add to uh, to this album uh, before we go into Pick of the Week? Yeah, I, I just want to say this album was released September 25th, 1972. It went gold shortly after release and was their fourth gold record in a row. Uh, eventually went platinum in 1986. Wow. And uh, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a platinum album, man. It's fucking amazing. It's, a, it's amazing that it went uh, platinum in 1986. There's a lot of... Yeah. You know, the making of this album is legendary. The drug use, you know, for them going to California. And, uh, you know, even more legendary is how they tried to... Um, recapture it with bloody Sabbath in LA and it just wasn't happening and then they took you know the recordings back to your haunted castle but um, it's just an amazing amazing record Um, like we both said it's our favorite fucking Sabbath album and it's so important to heavy metal music I mean really and, and and to a million different genres. There's so many genres that rip off this album. You know, from doom metal to death metal to to you know traditional metal. All owe a great debt to this album. And uh, absolutely love it. I'm so glad you picked this one, Ralph. Uh, an amazing, amazing fucking album. So. Fuck it. Let's go into pick of the week. Ralph, you got a pick of the week? I sure do. You want me to go first? Uh, uh, yeah. Go ahead, brother. All right. My pick of the week is brand new. It came out this year. And boy, man, I've been playing the fuck out of it. It's the new Raven called Extermination. And it's amazing. I mean, this is like, I don't have to say, I think it's the best album since Architect of Fear uh, that came out in the early 90s. Um, it's it's something that I've been playing a lot lately and uh, I got it on vinyl and the beautiful thing about the vinyl which every vinyl should have the vinyl comes with a, a CD the CD of the album is inside the vinyl um, the vinyl it's, it's a double vinyl and um, you have to play it at 45 you know that supposedly makes it a better sound uh, whatever it's such a great fucking album Man, the standout tracks is uh, Destroy All Monsters and a song called Fight. But you know what, man? There's not one bad song on the whole album. I think the whole album is solid from beginning to end. I'm very, very impressed by the new Raven. Uh, Extermination. That's my pick of the week. Well, there you go. And I know you are friends with the Gallagher brothers, and uh, we need to get them on here because that would make for a great episode. Yeah. 
Well, I, I, I know what you say about his accent, but I don't give a fuck. You know, we got some limey fans that probably know what he's saying. And if you don't, fucking listen to it ten times and increase our our uh, our listens. Uh, don't worry about it. All the, right. The YouTube version will bring sub, uh, subtitles. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, my pick of the week is uh, this one so far is neck and neck for my album of the year. Uh, between this and Slayer Repentless. And that is Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats, The Night Creeper. Oh my fucking God. Uh, why this band isn't bigger, I know. Because most people have taste for shit. And, and don't look deep. And uh, if, if you, you know, do a little research, listen to this band. Uncle Acid, oh my God. Uh, the, the Sabbath Riffs. The Beatlesque vocals, the subject matter, it's so dark and mysterious and beautiful and psychedelic and just in fucking credible. And I know I've turned some people on to, to Uncle Acid and I'm so happy, but I wish more of you would check them out because this is something that really, really speaks to me. I mean, I really enjoy this. It gives me hope for new music, even though it's so retro. But it's, oh my God, it's what's missing in music. It's dangerous. It's seductive. It's fucking, the riffs, the lyrics. It's so fucking good. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, Ralph, I've tried to speak to you a million times about Uncle Aston and the Deadbeats. I don't know if you picked up on them or not, but man, I wish you would. I will uh, listen to them more. You did send me the album, and uh, I did listen to it, and I liked it. But it's something I need to revisit. You know? Well, there you go. But Night Creeper, amazing concept album. I love it. It's my pick of the week. It's neck and neck with uh, Slayer for my album of the year. Awesome. So let's go into Fan of the Week. Right. And Fan of the Week this week is Eric Jordan. Eric Jordan, you've been very active on the Facebook page, man. We appreciate it. That's what we look for. If you're going to join up, don't be a fucking wallflower. Fucking do something. And he's done that very much. Shares a lot of posts and comments on a lot of stuff. And man, that that's what it's all about. And that's why Aaron Jordan, you are our fan of the week. Yeah, Aaron Jordan. Aaron, Aaron Jordan, that's his name? Eric Jordan. Oh, I was about to say, is he named after a, a sneaker? Aaron Jordan? No, it's, it's Eric Jordan. Eric. There, Eric. I know there Eric Jordan. He's on the Facebook page, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, that's why kids. You know, if you're gonna do cocaine, remember you're gonna you're gonna end up like me, kind of like. Anyway, hey, I enjoyed that one show we had with that that guy. Uh, what was his name? Paul Sisnak. Chris Sinzak. Yeah, that guy. If you were on Coke, you'd be way more on point. I think you're on Ginkgo Biloba, because you're a little slow. <laughs> that is true. All right. All right. Well, now we got to talk about the shit we talk about every week. If you're not on the Facebook page, why not? For Christ's sake. Over 1,200 people now on the Facebook page, man. A lot of you active, and we appreciate it. Join the Facebook page. All you got to do is send us a request, 
we'll accept you, become part of the fucking madhouse. Also, if you're going to buy any of these awesome albums that we talk about, use the Amazon link. Please, it doesn't cost you a penny more, and it helps offset the cost of the podcast. I make a little something-something, and, man, I totally appreciate it. Also, go on Amazon. Way more activity since I made a little bitch fest about the fucking uh, iTunes link. People are going on there giving us five-star reviews and leaving reviews. Please, it's easy. It helps the show out so much. You have no idea. A lot of people complain like, oh, it's hard. I just went the other week. I went online to give a, a review to a podcast. It was up the very next day. So give it a chance. Please, it really helps us. Also, check us out on that metalstation.com where you hear us twice a week. Sundays at noon Eastern and Thursdays. I think the time has changed. I think we're on later Thursdays. Uh, what time does your uh, show no, go on, Ralph? I'll, 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 I'll say, I'll correct you on all that, but I just want to go back to iTunes for one second, all right? Okay. The other day, right. you, you, it is very simple to leave a freaking review. It's super simple. The other, But it depends, too. Because the other day, I went to give a review on, on iTunes. And iTunes wrote me back saying, are you kidding this? I, this, this fucking podcast sucks. And they banned me for life. Wait, was it the Mark and Terrence experience? All right. So the, the times we're on at that metal <laughs> station, we're on at uh, on, on 11 a.m. on Sundays. Oh, 11 a.m. On Sundays. Okay. And on yes. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Now, 6 p.m. Eastern. Yes, it was changed because now, if and hopefully you guys are listening now on the that metal station. If you're not, uh, just know when they do air our show, it, after our show is done, it goes into the Dr. Fuck show. I have a show now on, yeah! on that metal station, and uh, I have giveaways and... I got, you know, and Scott tells me it's like the most rated show on that metal station. Most people go on there. So uh, this is going to be a part of our ending. I'm, I'm going to stress to the people to please tune into the metal station and listen to my show. And please join the Dr. Fuck Show Facebook page. Because now Scott Green, the owner of, he is that metal station's overlord. He gave me the keys that I've been going on that metal station whenever the fuck I want. As long as I don't interrupt any of their scheduled programs, I'm allowed to go on there and spin my music. And I've been doing that. I have like, like the other day I did a special on New Wave of British Heavy Metal. And then... Another, I listened to it. Did you like it? I loved it. And I loved the one you did before that was the... Uh... The 70s hard rock and metal. That was amazing. It. That was me and Ruben De La Rosa got, came along with that one. I love that guy. Yeah, me too. And he, me and him came up with that list. And, you know, I also had one yesterday that a lot of people loved was I had a whole hour of bootleg live recordings that were like, that, that sound like, you know, amazing. That came off of radios or soundboards. I had stuff like... Um, ACDC doing Soul Stripper live, you know, from uh, like ex excellent sound and stuff. And if you join the Facebook page 
uh, I will pop up saying, hey, everybody, I'm about to go on the air, and I'm going to do this and that and that and the other thing. Another thing I like to do is do requests. There is a chat room, and I go in there during my show, and I chat with everybody there, and then I talk about them on the air. It's a lot of fun, man. And people are loving what I'm doing because these are songs that you're not going to hear on... Okay, I know I bash you guys with the Ozzy stuff, but fuck Ozzy's Boneyard, all right? Fuck all those stations. None of them play the shit I play. Because I I pride on playing the deep cuts. Oh yeah, you're gonna put on the bone station, you're gonna hear uh the trooper. Now when you put when you put Par- on Paradise City. When <laughs> when you put on my show, you're gonna hear still life. If you download what's the name of it? Tune in radio. It's an app. It's a free app. If you tune that onto your phone, you know, let's say when my show comes on, you can listen to it. And even the podcast, you can listen to it and you can pause it. You can actually pause it and do whatever the fuck you want and unpause and it'll be right where you left it, you know? So uh, tune in the TuneIn Radio app in case you're not home. You know, again, uh, that metal station, um, they air the podcast on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Then the Dr. Fuck Show at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday. Then on Sunday, you got the podcast at 11 a.m. Oh, and by the way, the podcast, it's a brand new podcast on Sundays. And it's a repeat of my Thursday show on Sunday. So, and then there's a repeat on Thursday. You know, it's kind of like a flip-flop thing. But I think Scott Green is a, is a genius for having me on. And just to think, right before he got me on the show, I was ready to delete him from Facebook. <laughs> All right. Well, enough of patting yourself on the back. Another person we got to talk about is Mike Tyler, who is also on that metalstation.com. And you can hear him Tuesday nights where he does his all thrash show and thri- and Friday nights where he does his just all-encompassing metal show. Check both those out. Also, check us out on the Indie Authority Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, a lot of people are loving us. There's a lot of great shows on that Indie Authority, like The Rock Show with Gully and Joe, who are now on the Indie Authority, so check them out as well. Also, check out some other podcasts that we totally love and appreciate. You know, we're going to talk about the Decibel Geek Podcast. Also, check out Mars Attacks with Victor Ruiz. An amazing podcast, man. He does a great fucking job and supports this show through earpeeler.com. Go to earpeeler.com and you can find out about a lot of fucking uh, podcasts and, you know, metal news and reviews, all kinds of shit. Check out History Science Theater, another amazing podcast. And now, rather than me talk about it. And Barbarian Rage. They're my boys. Barbarian Rage is a great podcast with my friends uh, that, that have me on periodically. And usually they have me on because they 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 want to ask me questions and they're always bizarre cool questions. It's a very entertaining podcast. Barbarian Rage, they rule. Check those guys out. And also Metal Messiah Radio, uh, the Great Jet. She does an amazing job. She's been a big supporter of uh, Thrasher Die and Combat, so I always have to give her a little plug. Plus, she's hot, man. Too bad she's she's married because if she wasn't married. 
I would be plowing that hot babe. Well, here's our last one. And we don't even have to talk about it because we have a commercial for him. And this is the great Ken Mills and Podcast Podcast. And Ken Mills is gonna tell you a little bit about it himself. Here you go. Alright, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting Podkissed. The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your Podkissed. Every month, the Podkiss crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. got a little bit of time left over. Let's fill it up with some quality music. What do you say? Let's DJ. This is Tigers of Pantang off the 1981 album Spellbound. This is the opening track. This is Gangland. You can't. 
Night, Tigers of Pantang, man. Check that shit out, man. You're gonna if you like that, that's a great album. Spellbound. Look it up. All right, Ralph. Uh, awesome. Uh, I'm gonna go even way earlier than that. I'm going back to the '70s, and this is an obscure band, not an obscure band, very well known band, but kind of a deep track for them. This is off the album Playing the Game. This is a band called Nazareth. And this song rules. It's hard rocking. It kicks ass. It's called Born to Love.
All right, that was Nazareth with Born to Love. Uh, what do you got there, Ian? All right, this comes off uh, the first album I got from this gentleman, and it certainly wasn't the last. And even though I'm not too big in classical shit, I've always had a thing for this guy, and that's Ingve J. Malmsteen. And off of his third album trilogy, this is Queen in Love. <laughs>
right, that was Ingbe J. Malmsteen with Queen in Love. What do we got next? All right, I am going to get... I'm going to come... This is, like, really new. Uh, this is, like, my brand new... I love this band. Uh, they're called Dr. Living Dead. Oh, yeah. Se- off their self-title. This song is actually about the third Die Hard, which I love. That Did you see the third Die Hard movie? Yes. Die Hard 3 with Samuel L. Jackson? Yes. Such a great movie. Well, this is a... If you listen to the lyrics, man, it has that whole Simon Says thing, and it just rules. It's awesome. This song is called Revenge on John. After Living Dead, my favorite new band, a uh, song about Die Hard 3, Revenge on John. What's up there, Ian? What do you got? Oh, man, I, I got to thank you for turning me on to that because, uh, man, I've been listening to that shit nonstop. That shit is awesome. They, they are awesome, man. All right. Well, I'm going to go to, uh, this was a side project of Zach Wiles right after he left Ozzy. And, uh, man, I really dig this shit. This is called Pride and Glory. This is Losing Your Mind. Morning. 
episode and we know you did come back next week when we have one of america's greatest actors robert de niro yeah joins us in this yeah yeah bobby d joins us next week to talk about camel corpses eating back to life wow that's the first one yeah that's his favorite though he's he's kind of old school 
That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. He likes that dark meat. <laughs>